Know God's heart, join his mission. This podcast is powered by Within Reach Global. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Visit missionspulse.com. Welcome back to Missions Pulse, where we encourage you to know God's heart and join his mission. Man, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited we've been continuing to have a bunch of great guests on and uh, talking about God at work in the world, the kingdom of God. What does it look like? What does discipleship look like? What does discipleship beyond our borders, beyond the local context look uh, in a foreign field? And uh, you'll, you'll hear that kind of response from many different guests who some are missionaries, some are pastors, some are Christian leaders, um, all different roles to play in the body of Christ. I'm really excited today uh, with our guest because he's someone that is constantly talking about this. All those things I just mentioned, specifically the kingdom of God. Let me give you a quick bio of Mr. Glenn Blakeney. Uh, Glenn Blakeney is the founder and president of Awake Nations Ministries and the Kingdom Community. He's married to Lynn, and together they travel to the nations of the world, preaching the gospel of the kingdom in the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following. Glenn uh, is also extensively involved in leadership training across the globe through conferences, personal mentoring, online learning cohorts, and the Kingdom Community Equip Sessions, which we're going to be talking about, and I hope you join. Glenn Blakeney's teachings are heard around the globe through television, radio, social media, and the Kingdom Community streaming platforms. You can find out more about Glenn at kingdomcommunity.global and kingdomcommunity.tv. Hey, Glenn, I'm really excited that you're joining today and look forward to our conversation. Hey, thank you, David. An honor to be with you. And wow, that was quite an introduction. Yeah, well, <laughs> Hope I, I can live up to it. <laughs> well, I always wonder about those bios. You know, did, did you write that really or did someone else or, you know, we've got to put something spicy on our websites, right? <laughs> right. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I am looking forward to this conversation because we've been following. Well, when did we first meet, Glenn? We, we've been talking now online for about a year or so seems yeah i at least at, at least, least a covid messed yeah, up my, my my time zone timeline here <laughs> yeah yeah i think realistically probably a year and a half uh or so yeah maybe a bit longer but yeah well yeah. i've been blessed to be uh on your show and uh been following what god's doing super excited about that why don't you catch people up they're not familiar with uh, Awake Nations and who you are. How did you come to faith? What's your story? How are you here now today? Oh, wow. Yeah, thank you. Well, hey, when I was very young as a child, my mom got saved and came to Christ in what was known as the Charismatic Renewal, lived in uh, the Toronto, Canada area. And um, she started taking me to church, but not only to a local church, but different meetings like 
full gospel businessmen meetings and and um, and we would go to these Italian Pentecostal churches, um, went to Catherine Kuhlman, different people. And so I saw an amazing amount of miracles. And in fact, as a child, I had um, severe allergies. And while I was at a Catherine Kuhlman meeting, I think I were, I've been in three of her meetings throughout the years. Um, and uh, I was healed of these allergies and it was, it was awesome. So for me, that left an incredible, deep, really indelible impression in me in terms of seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, so many miracles happened. Even when I was a child, I prayed and I saw God do incredible things, answer my prayers. And so that was kind of uh, how I was impacted and and brought into the kingdom. Uh, teenage years, got away from the Lord and got messed up in the world and did things I shouldn't have done. And then probably when I was about 18 and a half, 19 years of age, I just started to really have uh, this awakening really where the Holy Spirit was convicting me, pointing me back to the cross. And so at that time, um, I was in college and I met a young lady who's actually now my wife and uh, she had never heard the gospel. And, and so I, I just was like, man, God's doing a work in my life, but it wasn't, it wasn't just running to the Lord, like, Oh Lord, here I am. You know, it, it wasn't like that. So what ended up happening is, um, I took Lynn, my wife at that time, um, my girlfriend, my new girlfriend to my parents' home. And she ended up meeting my mom and, um, my mom began to share the gospel with her, but she started to pray for us. And she felt very strongly that the Lord said that we were called to ministry and that we would be married. And so she just continued to pray for us. And the rest is history. We, we ended up um, giving our life back to Christ, you know, and responding to the work of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God that was drawing us and, and um, went on that journey started having home meetings, home prayer meetings. When we first got married, we lived in um, a city in Canada called Hamilton in Ontario. It's pretty, has a history of being a rough city and, you know, it's, it's a steel town. And we lived in like the worst part of the city. We were doing outreach and ministry on the streets and home, home meetings, home group meetings, that kind of thing. Just saw a lot of people come to Christ, a lot of miracles take place. And, um, it, that was kind of it. And then went to Bible school, um, came out of Bible school and started pastoring in, you know, kind of did the youth pastoring thing for a while. And then just went on this journey over the years where I just started to realize um, that I had this passion to, to see, obviously, the Holy Spirit manifest in power, but also just to, to go to the nations. And really, that ties into when I was probably about 20 years of age, we had a missionary by the name um, of Mark Buntane to India. You know, he's ministering in North India and he came to the church and ended up, um, spoke over my life and just said, hey, you know, Jeremiah 1.5 is the scripture for you. And it's about being a prophet to the nations. Well, you know, I had been to uh, the United Kingdom as a little kid because my mom was from Scotland. Um, had been to the United States a couple of times, but that was it. And, you know, I really just hadn't even traveled to most parts of Canada and really not much outside of the city that I lived in. So 
long story short, um, that word came to pass and God has opened the doors and we've been able to preach the gospel in many nations. We lived in Australia for a while, pastored. We were involved extensively in Southeast Asia before COVID. Um, also, obviously, a lot of time in, in the Caribbean, in in uh, Africa, Europe, and other places. So just uh, an amazing word and how God brought that to pass. There's, there's so much more that happened yeah, on sure. the journey. But I can, but that, I can that tell that synopsis. I can tell that's a synopsis in the short version. I have to ask your Scottish mom, uh, you still paying her like in dowry for her matchmaking <laughs> skills? I mean, how's that? Is it yeah. an annual thing or what do you guys do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she was, she was quite something, you know, she really had, um, an encounter with the Lord and gave herself to prayer and intercession. Mm. And I really um, count on that. I mean, there were times when I was not following the Lord and I would come home and my mom would say, I was praying for you. And this, I had a, I had a vision and this is what happened. And she would describe what had happened. You know, when I got myself in a, in a precarious situation one time, actually a dangerous situation. And she described exactly what happened. And wow. And, you know, there was actually um, protection, supernatural protection that happened to me one night. And and uh, she ended up telling me when I went home, you know, I was praying for you at this time. And this is what I saw. I saw these angels kind of go all around you. And they were and I was just like, wow, that was scary. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I mean, it was the fear of God. Right. So, yeah. And um, that was the time before yeah. you know, cameras on every corner. Right. <laughs> she can't be tracking you. Exactly. You're tagging you somehow. Um, yeah. Isn't that uh, amazing how a, a mother's prayers are so powerful? As you say that story, I instantly think of the, you know, the testimony, uh, testimony of James Hudson Taylor. I mean, his conversion story is his mother praying for him. I think he was like 40 miles away somewhere in, in England. And um, she's pouring her heart out to God and he stumbles across this book and gives his life to Christ. I mean, the mother, a mother's prayers are so powerful. I love how that aspect of, in this podcast, the missions aspect is a, so familial. You know, it is a family on mission. as a place for all, everyone. I think some people think, oh, well, I, you know, I just... I, I pray and I stay at home and uh, not realizing the power of their prayers crossing space mm -hmm. and time and no geographic boundaries to them. It's pretty powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, completely. And, and, you know, it impacted me in the sense that my um, life was, was not only, Hey, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but I gave myself to prayer and intercession and out of that call um, and that place of just really getting to know the Lord, because my my prayer times when I first got saved were long and they were deep. And I was having just incredible supernatural encounters with God. And um, out of that actually came the call to ministry wow. as well. And it was confirmed by, you know, others, uh, leaders, pastors even, but there was a a supernatural call where the yeah. Lord, like Jeremiah had, like Moses had, you know, I had that happen to me. I and sense that apostolic and life. prophetic call. I think uh, many people who watch your podcast, listen to your podcast, sense that as well. Um, and we're going to be talking about that, I think, in a minute here as well as discipleship. I really want to touch on those things. But I, I wanted to ask you this. I was just on Facebook the other day. I'm like, you know, those Facebook top fans. 
I think I'm like your top fanboy or something. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say fanboy per se, (laughs) but it says fan on Facebook. (laughs) And so, um, but this is what I, I, I saw a recent post on Facebook. You wrote, Jesus' kingdom mission is not about developing church franchises, but making true disciples who mirror the mannerisms of Christ and do his miraculous works. Tell me about right. these mannerisms. What are these mannerisms of Christ that we need to mirror? Sure. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, just alliterating a bit there. But the point um, I'm trying to make in that post is that my take, my understanding on the Great Commission is, as as it says in Matthew 28, and you know, to go make disciples. And make disciples is is um, the actual imperative there. So the commandment is to make disciples. We do it by going, obviously, by baptizing and teaching them to obey. But what? Teaching them to observe everything Jesus commanded. So here's my my, um, view, and I'm pretty pretty simple guy in terms of how I approach life in the scriptures. I just think we're supposed to do what Jesus said. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, you're and, oversimplifying things. Come on, I need a little bit more evangel- evangelical fluff. Right. Oh, just being facetious. So, <laughs> so look, Jesus spent three and a half years with these guys, developing them, getting them ready, discipling them to send them out. And you know, one of the things that we read in the early church after um, Peter and John were threatened not to preach the gospel, it says basically, even though they were, and I'm paraphrasing, uneducated, um, you know, it says they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus and their boldness. Yeah. And and so there was this sense in which they reflected or mirrored the quality in the person of Jesus. And like Paul said in Romans 8, 29, the reason why Romans 8, 28 is fulfilled in our lives, meaning that all things work together for good for those who love God, those are called according to his purpose. The fulfillment of that is the next verse. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of the Son. So Everything we go through when we submit ourselves to Christ, when we are teachable and in a good uh, New Testament term, meek, uh, receive with meekness that implanted word, then what happens is it actually works together for our good in that we become more and more like Jesus. Mm, And a lot of people pray for money. They pray for open doors. They pray for... um, you know, just God to to do different things in their lives, to connect them with right people, that type of thing. And um, what the Lord showed me in a time when I was praying and fasting was he said, I want you just to focus on really getting to know me. Hmm. And as you do, he said, the grace that is on your life will be evident. You know, and we know Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor which is the word grace, with God and man. So he said, you just worry about increasing in favor with me. And as you do, he said, the gifts will emerge in your life. Um, The fact that that I'm with you, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Um, People could see that on Jesus, right? No one spoke like him. Look at the miracles he does. 
obviously God was with him. I love Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Mm. He went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him, for God was with him. So the Lord spoke that to me and he said, if you will just allow me to conform you to the image and likeness of my son, he said, I'll do my own advertising. (laughs) People will see, they'll sense the anointing on your life. They'll see the grace on you. There'll be a favor that will open doors for you. There'll be a favor in terms of people that recognize, you know, who you are and what you carry. So I believe that that's to be our focus is it's not the size of our gatherings. There's nothing wrong with having large gatherings, but what if those gatherings are not resulting in, in um, the depth of, of true new Testament discipleship? then I think it's in vain. People, ultimately, those we are discipling, and the Great Commission is is about discipling people to obey everything that Jesus taught. Um, to and, and so it's ultimately seeing them become conformed to the image and likeness of the Son yeah. so that they live like Jesus did on the earth, which is amazing. Yeah. When 1 John 2, 6 says, if anyone says he abides in him, let him walk even as he himself walked. Mm-hmm. And then John 14, 12, Jesus said, the works that I do, because, you know, I'm going to my father, you will do an even greater works. And he was talking about miracles there. Mm. So I really believe that our calling in life, first of all, is to be a disciple. And then secondly, we make disciples who become like Jesus. Mm. And think about that. If the world were to see um, Christians who love unconditionally the way Jesus does, who spoke the word, uh, um, uncompromisingly the way Jesus did, but, you know, who, who had compassion, but also, um, were able to, to just impact people's lives the way Jesus did. When you read the gospels, the miracles, imagine if we stepped into that as the church, you know, yeah. on mass, I mean, we could, we could, we would see transformation oh, and, and it wouldn't be our, our, the arguments and, and you know what I believe, I believe in apologetics, don't get me wrong, but um, apologists defend the word, apostles demonstrate the word. Wow, okay. And and I believe there needs to be a demonstration of the gospel in power that's going to really change uh, the nations and, and the generation that we live in. Amen. We have a bunch of career opportunities for you to serve at Within Reach Global. Open positions include web developer, social media manager, graphic designer, short-term missions director, and more. We want to help you discover your unique God-giving calling to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Help give gospel access to people who have never heard of Jesus before. Go to withinreachglobal.org and click go. I get the impression you're not a cessationist and uh, believe (laughs) that (laughs) the the giftings and callings are still uh, in use today. Yeah. Well, before I even knew what the word cessationist meant, I was seeing people healed and miracles happen, you know, <laughs> and it was just, it, it, it was like, well, that's what I saw. I saw sure. it happen and, and I experienced it myself. You know, David, when I was a kid, one, one true story, like I'm, I don't know, eight or nine years old or something. And I had, um, 
what we would call warts back then on my hands. And I don't know if it was because I was just, you know, didn't wash my hands enough or what as a kid. <laughs> okay, but I had, fair enough. Fair I remember I had 13 warts on my hands, seven on one hand and six on the other. And one night I was laying in bed and I was just, you know, falling about to go to sleep. And I, I had seen all these miracles and I just had this faith. And I just said, Lord, man, you know, I've been taking putting stuff on these, trying to get rid of them back then. And I said, it's just not working. And, and I just said, you can, you can get rid of these warts, Lord. That's not a big deal for you. So the next day I wake up and I, I get up and I go about my daily routine. And at one point during the day, I happened to look at my hands and I noticed that every single one of them was gone and totally disappeared. And, and I have seen the Lord do miracles like that. Like, obviously that wasn't a, you know, a, a fatal, a fatal disease. And I have seen God do heal people of, of terminal sickness and disease. But ultimately to me, that was the Lord just showing me yeah. his compassion and his intimate care, even for something that somebody would say, well, man, you just need to wash your hands more or whatever it would. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love that. And I, I agree, man. Um, and, and I do feel that this is part of the aspect of um, why many nations have remained unreached or gospel deprived, even though they have had such long histories with Christian missionaries. Um, yeah. uh, if we are to mirror those things of Christ that you, those mannerisms, the like night, like, Christ-likeness of Jesus, yeah. um, man, that's the things that we're going to see transformed, which brings me to the, the kingdom of God or the thoughts of the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about this. Um, Luke 4, 18, he, he says this. He plainly states his mission by saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Um, and it goes on. Uh, I, I want to ask you this. Has has the church deviated uh, from this message of the kingdom? This is not always what we see. Have you seen the deviation of some kind? Yeah, absolutely. But I think, I think um, you know, the good news is we're getting back to it. And um, But let me also say, on the other hand, I feel there's currently uh, a real lack of it's it's almost like kingdom has become it's become cliche oh, sure. and we have okay. people they call their ministries kingdom this kingdom that and and yet when you talk to them about the kingdom they really don't understand what it is um and and i i feel it ties in with the apostolic it ties in with um you know missions um and discipleship all of those so but jesus came to proclaim and bring the kingdom to the earth, right? And in Luke 8, 1, it says that he was going around, the 12 were with him. There was also women. These women were supporting him uh, from their finances. Who were they? Well, Mary Magdalene was one of them. Um, there was a wealthy aristocrat. And what ends up happening is it says in in the old King James, it says that Jesus was preaching and shewing the glad tidings of the kingdom. The new King James says preaching and bringing the gospel of the kingdom. 
So there is declaration, but there's also demonstration. Mm. And everywhere you look in the ministry of Jesus, you can read this in the Gospels. We, we see this in the book of Acts as a continuum. Um, there was a proclaiming of the kingdom. I believe it's actually Matthew 4.23, where he says that Jesus went and he preached the kingdom. And he taught the people in the synagogues and he healed the sick and he cast out demons. Hmm. So there's always that uh, coupling. It's it's always happening, you know, in together that yeah. this proclamation of this kingdom. First of all, we don't even preach that. Jesus said in Matthew 10, as you go preach and say the kingdom of heaven is at yeah. hand. We don't even do that. Um, yeah, but I was going to say, don't, don't you find that it's hard to preach the kingdom when we live in, I'm speaking as, uh, as an American, in a democracy, right? Or we live in these different paradigms that don't share kingdom uh, aspects. For example, I live in the kingdom of Thailand. Uh, this yeah. is a monarchy here in Thailand. It, yeah. it acts very differently from a democracy uh, as, as I know it. So we've, can, would you say that we've lost that along the way due simply to cultural backdrop? Yeah, I think it's ultimately it's the our traditions, as Jesus said, have made the word of God of none effect. So I think we have been schooled in um, a religious paradigm. This is what the gospel is, but we need to get back to the the message of the kingdom, which is not just in word but in power. You know, First Corinthians four twenty says that the kingdom of God is not in word; it's not in logos, but it's in power and dunamis. So there there is. Uh, you know, a sense in which this power has to be manifested. So part of, part of it is we don't understand kingdom. We, yeah, I mean, that's a deep subject, but we, <laughs> just we definitely, yeah, we definitely are Western nations in particular um, are more individualistic. I have my personal rights, you know, Jesus is my personal Lord and savior. Yeah. Like we say, those sometimes kind of he's your homeboy, right? As some people yeah. have said, <laughs> right. But we don't understand uh, the concept of what it means to be living in a kingdom yeah. together with yes. other kingdom. I don't even like the term citizens. Um, I know the late Miles Monroe used to use that term a lot in his writings. Um, but, I I love I use the term subjects hmm. because that's what I'm lordship. talking about. That I'm sorry to cut you off there, but that's what I'm talking about. I think we have this aspect that yes, we we are we are all citizens of the kingdom of God. That, that's true. Um, but if you live in a monarchy here in Thailand, I act yeah. and do things, and my behaviors are starkly different than those of Americans because. I live under the rule and reign of a monarch of whom you don't speak yep. ill of. And uh, yep. I would say as an expat in this country, more so a, a Thai person, uh, they are a subject. They are a subject of the king. Uh, and yep. <laughs> it takes on a different dimension mentally. Yeah. And if we can transfer, like you said, you understand that living in Thailand, but we need to get that no matter where we live in the world. Hmm. You know, it says in Acts 2, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost after the, the Holy Spirit fell, he preached Christ. And he said that he, God has made him both Christ, Lord and Christ. And so, you know, that whole idea of, of Lord is king and, and the anointed one and so he's the anointed king, and he demands lordship. He demands obedience. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 
20, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. So guys, I don't know where we get this kind of false dichotomy where, well, Jesus is my savior, but he's not a Lord, but my Lord, but I don't see that anywhere in the scriptures in the New Testament. Gospel Privilege provides the keys you need to unlock your full potential as an effective witness of God's kingdom power. This resource will inspire change in you as you read testimony after testimony of people who use their gospel privilege to bring the kingdom message worldwide. As author David Joannis testifies, gospel privilege is the soul-saving, culture-shaping, world-changing message that's come into the world through the person of Jesus. It is an unearned spiritual advantage with eternal consequences meant for every human being. Buy the book on Amazon or visit gospelprivilege.com to download a free chapter today. Yeah, well, well said, and I appreciate the graciousness from uh, through which you you speak this. I think um, people need to come to that understanding of themselves as subjects uh, in the kingdom of God, citizens mm-hmm. as well, but subjects. Uh, but we also have a, a, a pathway which we're on in following Christ, and I appreciate the graciousness um, from which Absolutely. you you say that. Um, in relation to that, uh, we're, we're surrounded by unprecedented distractions, uh, divisions, um, and yet it's imperative that we hear and understand the voice of the Holy Spirit in our day, um, in all our evangelistic efforts, in our lifestyle, missional lifestyle. Uh, How do, you just mentioned a moment ago, uh, the apostolic, the prophetic, how do the apostolic and prophetic giftings kind of set a, a blueprint for reformation or revival, the one that we've always been longing for? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I would like to say, first of all, that um, as someone who obviously believes I'm, I'm not a cessationist, I'm a continuous, I believe that apostles and prophets are still around today, but not in the, the New Testament sense, not as obviously authors uh, of, of the scriptures, you know, so when you read Ephesians 2 and it talks about the church being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, um, look, I understand those who would say that means that the, the, the church is built on the scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament. I get that. And I would agree with that. Certainly we, we have, that's our ultimate authority. Uh, and when someone proclaims something uh, is of God, if must line up with the scriptures ultimately. However, let me also say this, Ephesians 4 is very clear that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to build up the church, to prepare the saints for the work of ministry. And it talks about that happening till we're at a place where there's we're conformed basically to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Um, there's this unity of the faith, and we see the whole, we see the church, because he says it twice in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. He says the body of Christ, which is the church. And then in a, it, he says the church, which is the body. So he he's saying that the church is the body of Christ. Now, a lot of us, we have never moved to that place where we recognize what part we play in mm. terms of you know, the piece of the anatomy that we are, yeah. there are people that are like, okay, where do I fit in as a body? Well, ultimately that's what he's doing. And so there has to be this work of seeing us uh, be, you know, come to the likeness of Christ, the fullness of the stature of Christ as kind of like really the Greek speaking of like one man, one body. And then 
he talks about how th that unity happens and it's an organic unity where we function together and flow and operate as a body on the earth. And so he's the head of the church. We're the body. Paul talks about that repeatedly in Ephesians and Colossians also. And we actually need to uh, represent Jesus on the mm -hmm. earth. Okay. So even though he's seated at the right hand of the father now, we are his body on the earth. And the apostolic and the prophetic ultimately, I believe, tie into, you know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and he wasn't talking just about his time, as some would say, because my argument is, has the church come to that point where we have no longer need to be, you know, see the saints equipped um, to do ministry, um, the, you know, the, to be conformed to the fullness of the stature of Christ, to become a body and, you know, have the unity of the faith, that type of thing that he talks about. Obviously not. We still yeah. have a long way to go. Yeah. So we still need all of the fivefold. Yeah. And really, I think it's pretty shabby uh, <laughs> exegesis for us to just turn around and say, well, we have we have teachers, we have evangelists, and we have pastors, but we don't have apostles and prophets yeah. because, I mean, I understand that people say, well, it's the, the canon is of scripture is completed. I get that, but we still need the role and the specific function of apostles and prophets today, not in the sense of the apostles who were with Jesus as the 12, I get that, but functioning, we see other apostles, you know, we we see in the New Testament, we, Silas um, was called a prophet in, in uh, Acts chapter 15. It talks about um, Silas and, and I think there was another guy that was with him as well. They were both called prophets. So what, are, what is the apostolic and the prophetic? Well, ultimately, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God has set in the church, first of all, apostles, secondarily prophets. And the word proton, right, which talks about rank, order, and sequence. And so there's a place in which we see in the New Testament, again, just following um, the example of the, of the apostles, that they were the ones who went first. Mm. It's not about hierarchy in the sense that they're more important, but it's about priority. And I believe it's about foundation because Paul said that he would lay the foundation of Christ as an apostle who he spoke of himself in 1 Corinthians 3. He was a wise master builder. And so, which, you know, comes from, we get our word architect from that Greek term. So the idea is there, we need apostles today who recognize uh, how they know how to build yeah. according to the pattern of the blueprints of the New Testament. We need prophets who, who understand and hear the voice of God, um, who have revelation from the scriptures to be able to speak into the church. And let me, let me just say that the lines are often blurred because when we read in Acts 13, you know, there were prophets and teachers in the church and it mentions uh, Saul and, and Barnabas and, and the others. And then later on, Paul is obviously recognized as an apostle. He even says he was called to be an apostle with the Lord Jesus directly in Galatians. So, you know, and then in some of his writings, he mentions he's a herald. He mentions he's a teacher. 
and also an apostle together. So, so this, the lines are often blurred and, and they overlap even in, but we definitely need that. And ultimately the very word apostle means one who sent. So it has to do with advancing a kingdom. Yeah. It yeah. has to do with going to the nations and taking the gospel. Jesus didn't call the apostles just to stay put. And when they got too comfortable, we know there was a persecution that happened in the book of Acts. Yeah. And even though the initially the apostles were not, um, they didn't leave, they stayed put. The believers were released, ran with the gospel to the Gentiles ultimately. And then uh, we know after that, though, the apostles did go out and they did go to other nations. We, we know about that. Thomas went to India and, and all those other places. So... As you as you're describing this, uh, this almost it, I'm I'm hearing it as an epic, right? Um, the the apostles and the prophets at, at the forefront, and I'm sorry to keep making this um, cultural. I I think what I mean by doing this and asking this next question is that I think people's paradigms have had experience where they've um, experienced something other than what you described. What you just described yeah. makes sense. I'm seeing, okay, the apostle, yeah, spearheading this uh, movement or this direction, yeah. the, the prophet speaking into it. But when you say the word apostle, when you say the word prophet or apostolic yeah. or prophecy, um, those words conjure up images or imagery that perhaps are pejorative for many people. And I think that may be part of the aspect here. I think that's not what you're describing whatsoever, but people's right. paradigms may be thinking of those things. Oh, completely. And unfortunately, add the word kingdom also is pejorative in many instances. <laughs> sure. Yeah. How did we come to that? Yeah. How did we come to that place? Can you speak on that a little bit? Sure. I think, I think it's um, <clears throat> culture again, you know, going back to um, our culture. Now, the kingdom of God is, is obviously not a subculture. It's a counterculture. And yet we have in the church um, really what we would, we might call it Christian culture, um, but it's really just a subculture. Hmm. And it's not the kingdom culture, even though we might use the word kingdom. And we might talk about apostles and prophets and so on. But ultimately, it's not the kingdom culture. And I think there's, we have a long way to go. And David, what I believe, and, and um, I know the statistics in terms of how many people are, are uh, you know, gospel deprived and unreached people groups, UPGs and UUPGs. I've, I've studied those stats and it's heartbreaking to realize there's still billions of people out there. But ultimately, I think it's worse than even the stats say, because here's here's the deal. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom, you know, this gospel of the kingdom, he said. So meaning the gospel he was preaching and yeah. demonstrating. This one. <laughs> this gospel of the kingdom, he said, will be preached as a witness or a testimony throughout the world to all the nations, and then the end will come. We know nations speaks of, of the peoples, the ethnic groups, you know, again, looking at, uh, you know, depending on what stat you look at, 16,000, 17,000, 13,000 different ethnic groups in the world. But ultimately, he said this gospel, the kingdom. Now, we've been preaching um, I won't say it's a false gospel, but I'll say it's an incomplete gospel. You might even say and, it's anemic in some ways. 
Yes. So I think that the gospel that Jesus preached, we need to go back and embrace that. And so we have people who on one end of the spectrum don't believe in the power. And we have people on the other end, those who are more charismatic, they do believe in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they're just keeping it to themselves and they're not advancing the kingdom to the nations of the earth. They're not preaching the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. And I'm writing a book right now where basically if I were to subtitle it, I would say something like what the charismatics have, you know, they have this part, right? The evangelicals have this part, right? But each one of us by and large is missing. The evangelicals need the power of the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts. How can you deny the work of the Holy Spirit? Read the gospels. Um, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and did miracles. On a bad day, when Jesus went to Nazareth, it says he wasn't able to do any mighty works, one of the uh, synoptics gospels say. And that word mighty works is dunamis, which in the NIV is translated miracles. And yet we, we see others who talk about miracles and prophesying, but they have no passion, no burden to reach the lost. Mm. And, you know, I saw you posted something somewhere recently where, where you were talking about nationalism and, and how we just, in certain Western nations, you know, I've heard it. I remember pastoring and people, because I, I always talked about missions. We, we, we're active in, in doing missions and giving to missions and going. We took teams out and there were some people that just said, we just need to focus on our own country. Mm-hmm. And um, because we have unsaved people here, we have lost people here. Well, I get that. But the problem with that is um, that's not what Jesus told us to do. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't resemble the this gospel of the kingdom of which he spoke. I'm reading a book right now, Jesus and John Wayne. I'm not even going to go down that path right now because we're not talking about Christian nationalism right now and, and patriarchy. And, um, but I am reading that book and there are, uh, it's uh, bringing to the forefront of my mind, the discrepancy, uh, of what the kingdom of God is meant for. I think of what you're getting at for the ex- advancement of the gospel, um, until like you said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as testimony to every single tribe and people and tongue and Gentile. And then what happens? The end will come. The whole point is to see the return of Jesus here. Um, uh, Hal Lindsey painted it in a bad light, right? Uh, the coming Armageddon. Um, and we know it is. And there will be weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. But the culmination right. of history of what we're looking forward to, man, is Revelation 7-9. Uh, white yes. robes, people from every nation surrounded, surrounding the throne, praising and worshiping. Um, uh, on that note, uh, Glenn, how are you witnessing pastors, leaders, missionaries uh, catching a, a fresh vision for global evangelization? We've just talked about maybe some of the downsides uh, of things that sure. we have a long way to go. Are you seeing some great advances or some new fresh fire in some amazing way? Right. Um, well, first of all, COVID-19 has obviously set us back in terms of being sending um, not as many, a lot of nations still, you know, people have never left their nations going on two years now. And and so I, I but on the other hand, I've heard some leaders, pastors say things like, 
well, you know, the Lord's using this because he, he wants us to focus on our own nation. Uh, meaning COVID-19 is kind of a, let's relay the right foundation. Let's go back to our own nation and focus on the lostness we have, you know, inherently in our boundaries. And I understand there's some truth to that, but, um, you know, I think the enemy obviously is, is behind all this. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And and he doesn't want the gospel, the kingdom to go to the nations. So that's the short answer. Um, but so I see a lot of a lot of ministries that still are focused on um, their own country. And and again, we do have Gen Z, perhaps the first, um, you know, postmodern, post-Christian generation in in our Western nations, in particular. And this. It's even impacting other nations now, obviously, because of media, social media, et cetera. But I think that even though that's true, that they're by and large, you know, don't know the Lord. We've had this conversation before. There's still that still does not nullify our responsibility to take the gospel to the unreached. And so we have to get back to that point. But as I travel, because I'm not a pastor anymore, I, I travel and I, you know, minister in the United States. I'm, I'm starting to go back out to other nations now. I'm headed to Brazil in a couple of weeks. But the the truth is, there's um, a great need to really get the church on board and pastors. So there's there's fire, there's passion on a on a remnant, but I think, unfortunately, by and large, my <clears throat> kind of understanding and report is the church is still not getting it. I remember when COVID-19 hit and there were posts on social media that said the church is outside of the building. And, and you know, at one point, I don't know if I actually did this, but I was like, the church is not out of the building. The church is locked out of the building. And that was when there were lockdowns and still in some countries in Canada, there's still lockdowns. Church is not allowed to meet right now, but in parts of Canada. So, you know, I get that, but ultimately we need a huge shift in terms of getting back to the gospel, the kingdom, what Jesus preached, all nations advancing the kingdom, you know, preaching the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, making disciples. And and so I think we have a long way to go. And I think now with obviously with the whole hybrid church thing with uh, being online, we have to be intentional, strategic, even with yeah. what we do online. And and so one of the things I just did recently, David, just to kind of give you an idea of, of um, my heart is, I did a, a post on a particular social media platform and I boosted it to a particular nation in the world where um, it's one of the most unreached nations in the world that we're going to show the Jesus film online in their language. And, you know, we didn't spend a lot of money, maybe a hundred dollars, but we had thousands of people actually in, you know, cause we targeted that nation. Yeah. Um, and we had thousands of people come and comment, and we had many people said, hey, I watched this, and I've given my life to Christ. And so, so we, can be, we can be strategic online, yeah. too, and reach the unreached. 
a lack of gospel access is the greatest injustice known to humankind. We're looking for monthly donors who will help us combat gospel poverty by funding our locally led missions movements. When you give to Within Reach Global, you give gospel access to people who have never heard of Jesus before. Set up your monthly donation today at withinreachglobal.org/donate. I love that. I didn't realize that. And that's really exciting. That's a new paradigm I think we need to talk about is strategy in online um, tech and Christian content. Speaking of which, I mean, I just mentioned a moment ago that uh, you can find out more about you, Glenn, at kingdomcommunity.global, kingdomcommunity.tv. You are kind of this um, this uh, this tech guy. Sh- shall I use the word guru? Guy? <laughs> guru? Uh <laughs> I'm a visionary. That's maybe it. I, you know, I've got a, a vision to, I, I believe in online. I mean, look, before there was Facebook Live or Periscope, you know, Periscope came out before Facebook Live. I was doing live streams on Facebook. You know, it was a big ordeal to be able to yeah. do that. You're avant-garde, um, man. But yeah, so, you know, that that's true in a sense. But, and, and we're active, very active. We have the kingdom community and we gather regularly online and uh, we do discipleship and training we have people from literally um all the all the continents of the earth and and it's cool and we do training and discipleship we just did two courses that we completed in in december on um, what it means to truly be apostolic and and we're redeeming the apostolic Hmm. it's not um the the big capital a apostle such and such but in the scriptures we read paul and apostle Hmm. and that's a big difference um and then also what is the gospel of the kingdom so we do this training stuff we're we're doing equipping every person needs to be equipped in the body of christ to become like jesus and to know um to be filled with the holy spirit and to be able to manifest um, and walk in their calling and their gifts their purpose you know, we're doing things now with um, people in the business sector and helping people in the marketplace to really, you know, we want to stand with them. And we see those guys like they're so important in what they're doing, but it's not just like, well, they're raising money and to help the missionaries. That's true and that's important, but they also have um, a mission and an assignment. So we're we're doing that. We, we do a lot of different things, but it's all about connecting, training and sending the body yeah. of Christ. Those are really our three core values. And what I'm finding, like I had a conversation yesterday with a lady who's originally from South Africa and she lives in Australia. And she said to me, you know, these online training sessions are so helpful. They're convenient. Um, I work, we own a business, we work long hours. I come home at night and, you know, I can join one of these training sessions. And she said, it, it's so much, uh, it's so convenient. Now, saying that, we're reaching a ton of people, a lot of people. We're doing a new course uh, launching this Wednesday. And I already have, um, and this is on Zoom. So it's not like, you know, these are people that are just going to sign up passively. They actually have to show up. And we have about 200 plus people registered. And... And this is all about um, healing, emotionally, physically, spiritually. So 
you know, and how we, the Lord wants to not, he, he wants to heal us. And there's a lot of people been struggling as a result of what we've been through in the past couple of years. But he also wants to use us to facilitate Luke 4, 18 and 19 that you've already mentioned. So, so we're doing it online. However, let me say this. It's not a substitute for the in-person hmm. local church. We need that. I yeah. mean, we need to be able to minister to people that way. And we need to gather. Um, I believe in the local church as well. But, but this is a supplement. And unfortunately, and, and I don't mean this in a condescending way, but you know, there are a lot of churches that are not equipping. Um, and we need to get back to, to equipping the saints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that, uh, definitely answers my question. Uh, it's guru, not guy. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I was going to read this. I, I actually just took this from a re another recent post you, you talked about, um, uh, uh, as you were mentioning tech. I think it was an actual recent interview he did. Uh, a recent article on Forbes.com stated that although church attendance has fallen by as much as 50% during the pandemic, some believers claim that their faith has been strengthened as a result of online church services. As a result, Christian leaders of various denominations have plans for a hybrid future with permanent online ministry. The same article says that yeah. uh, venture capital findings for Christian apps have increased from 6.1 million in 2016 to 48.5 million in 2020, and then 175.3 million in 2021. So here's right. my question for you because you just asked, um, you just answered a moment ago, um, what are the ups and the downs, the positives, the negatives? What do you as Glenn Blakeney, what do you as kingdomcommunity.tv or .global hope to accomplish? What's your greatest dream to see uh, in the tech online Christian space? Right. Yeah. First of all, the context of that, uh, what you just read, that report was the United States um, per se. So that's important to take note of. Thank you. Well, for me, the, the truth is we want to see people obviously come to know Christ and then to be discipled into Christ's likeness so that they um, live like Jesus, they act like Jesus, they talk like Jesus, they love like Jesus, and they do miracles like Jesus did on the earth. They pray for the sick, they see healing. You know, as you go, preach the kingdom is at hand, and but demonstrate it, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, all those things. And so we want to raise up the body, each and every person to be a member of the body. Now, everybody says, well, we are a member of the body when we're born again. Well, this is the way I put it. I said, a lot of us are body parts, but we're not part of the body. <laughs> and, and we'll say, oh, well, this is who I am. You know, I'm, and God has called me to this. This is my gifting or whatever, but we're not connected to a real kingdom community. And that involves the local church, but it does not stop there. I think we're in a time and a season now where we need to come together. We need to collaborate. And now more than ever, we can do things like what we're doing right now, talking about this online. Um, you know, this is going to go international, obviously. So that's, that's a huge thing. So the importance of the uh, digital platforms is, is huge. So discipling people preaching the kingdom and seeing the gospel go forth. So what we're doing like on kingdomcommunity.tv, you can watch teachings and videos 
24-7. It streams, but we also have, you know, various individuals on there. We are not bringing on these platforms the, you know, how I say this respectfully, the same old charismatic message on faith, on prosperity, on healing or whatever. We want kingdom content. And so we're actually trying to <clears throat> configure um, it's kind of configure the church to to a kingdom paradigm and so what that's what we're doing and the training we do in kingdomcommunity.global when you go there you create a membership and you become part of our community you can support financially but we also have a free membership we offer training we offer more there's lots of different opportunities but it's all about understanding shifting into the kingdom the gospel of the kingdom which ultimately um, is this that jesus didn't just save us so we can go to heaven uh, but he saved us ultimately so we could advance the kingdom on the earth mm. and and so seeing people become like jesus and really operate in that capacity so that's that's what we're trying to do by the grace of god we are doing people are changing i get People comment to me all the time that one person I was speaking with recently said, I've been going through this training. I just started back in July of last year and it's changed my life. Wow. I think differently. I have a kingdom perspective now on things, you know, and, uh, and, and it kind of challenges you to not be able to go back to kind of the old paradigm where you just are a passive person you know you just show up and sit in a church service and you don't do much maybe give some money and serve a little bit but where you're getting activated now and really advancing the kingdom in the marketplace you know wherever you are yeah and yeah so so that's our goal ultimately i love that and uh man you have mentioned the word kingdom gospel of the kingdom discipleship so many times I can't even count. I'll have to go back and pause and count how many times we've talked about this. I obviously see that laser focused theme uh, in your life. Uh, a moment ago, I, and I want to end on this because I know we're coming to a close and it's been almost an hour, but um, you, you were talking to me about discipleship and a paradigm for discipleship uh, that, that was really yeah. exciting before we started recording here. I wanted to ask you that. What is discipleship? Can you uh, reiterate again what you were telling me? What is discipleship as some of the context you've been reading in Scripture? Sure. Well, discipleship ultimately is becoming like Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's the teacher were the disciples. Luke 640 says the student is not above the teacher, but any student who's been perfectly trained will be like the teacher. Jesus said that himself. Um, now, discipleship also is a process. So what we we recognize, and the Lord showed me this one time a few years ago, um, is the word that is translated in the New King James you know, it says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Then it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry and so on. That word equip, there's a derivative, um, and I may not be pronouncing it exactly right, but uh, my, my uh, basic Greek <laughs> in seminary, yeah. but, uh, you know, katartidsmas, and then there's katartidzo, 
And that's the word, the verb um, is karatizo is, is what is translated in English in Luke 6, 40, perfectly trained. Now, interestingly, that word is translated in Matthew 4.21. Jesus is walking along the seashore and he sees James and John sitting there mending the fishing nets. It's the same word. So the word that's translated equip, perfectly trained, is also translated mend. And what ends up happening is Jesus, of course, calls them to leave the nets behind and come and follow him and talks about making them fishers of men and that word implies process make what ends up happening i i noticed this in the gospels there's two stories two narratives where jesus performed uh, a supernatural miracle that had to do with catching fish and and the first one is in luke chapter 5 kind of in the beginning of his ministry the early stages and you know here he is he he sees peter and then he gets in the boat and he tells peter peter to launch out into the deep he tells peter to launch out into the deep and then let down the nets and he does so and there's this amazing catch of fish and it actually says the nets tore hmm. now the devil's not the only one in the details god is in the details and I think this is an important detail because fast forward after Jesus' death and resurrection, when he appears to his disciples again in John 21, same thing, kind of deja vu. You know, they, they had been fishing. You know, these guys were commercial fishermen. Jesus is gone. What are we going to do? Peter says, let's go fishing. So they go fishing. They don't catch anything, just like in Luke 5. And then Jesus calls out to them from the, uh, the seashore and he asked them if they caught any fish. He said, no, nope, nothing. So he says, okay, well, let down the net on the right-hand side of the boat. So he does, and they do. And wow, there's this amazing catch of fish. And it actually says the nets began to break. They had to call for help. And then the comment is made, there were 153 large fish, but yet the nets did not break. So the first time the nets broke, the writer, Luke, is careful to document that. John is careful to document 153 large fish. The nets did not break. Now, St. Jerome says that represented the nations of the earth, 153. But the bottom line is whether that's true or not, that was a lot of big fish, and that was an abundant, you know, catch of fish. So what happens is he says the nets did not break. So I began to look at that, and I realized, I said, look at, you know, to me, what I felt the Holy Spirit says is this implies the discipleship process. Again, remember that the word translated equip, cardotizo, is the word that's translated mend. So basically there's this process that jesus wants to bring us through as his followers his disciples and that is he brings us into a relationship with him he shows us you know no matter how uh, gung-ho we are about doing certain things for the lord there's 
There has to be a work of preparation in our life. And Peter, of course, was a professional fisherman, but on his own, with his own resources, his own power, his own um, intellect, and re all of those things, he was not able to catch fish. So that shows the, our human inability to do what God has called us to do. Hence, we need Acts 1.8. I will give you power from an eye, dunamis, which can also mean divine ability, supernatural ability to do what I've called you to do, because what he's called us to do is not only difficult, it's impossible hmm. and in our own strength. Yeah. So this process is, hey, guys, let me mend your life. Come and follow me. And over three years, he begins to mend the torn net, so to speak. Hmm. And it's all about preparing them because why do you mend a net? Going back to the picture of James and John, right? It's not so you hang it up on the on the wall uh, and say, look at our, our nice fishing net. We have many churches that are like that, right? We and we we talk about what we've done in the past and and uh and and you know we we look back in time but ultimately we have to mend so we can send yeah so god wants to mend us of our brokenness our misery he wants to do that work in us conforming us to the image of jesus you know filling us with his uh the fullness of who he is and then ultimately releasing us because when at the end of those three plus years we see the net doesn't break which interestingly then launch out into the deep so go deep and then at the three and a half years later john 21 the right hand side which is authority jesus is of course seated at the right hand of the father which speaks of resurrection and ultimately what jesus did at the cross ultimately but we have to also say that there was a process of preparation the mm. disciples had to engage in. So I believe discipleship is all about that. God says, I want to take you where you are. I want to mend you. I want to prepare you. I want to make you whole. I want to give you a fishing net to work with others. We're not a fishing pole just to do it on our own, but to be part of a body and a fishing net and so you can go out and you could advance the kingdom and Amen. you can become a fisher of men. So just sitting back and doing nothing, you know, we have churches that talk about you come here and we'll heal you. But ultimately, that discipleship process doesn't release people into the apostolic. And, you know, as Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you in that word apostelos from which we get apostolic, the church needs to become apostolic. Yeah. We need to become a sending church. And so there's a place for that. Then we have other ministries and churches that talk about sending people, but they don't have an adequate preparation process. And mm -hmm. they're, they're not mending people properly. The discipleship element is missing. And what ends up happening is they go out and they try to, you know, catch men and the nets tear, unfortunately. So that's kind of uh, something the Lord has showed me about yeah. discipleship. <laughs> yeah, I would encourage people to pause that, rewind a little bit, and watch that and listen again, because that is a powerful, uh, powerful take on what discipleship is. Probably very different from other places you're going to hear it. Um, but I'll tell you what, hey, Glenn, th that is uh, really, this has been an excellent conversation. It, I appreciate diving deeper into kingdom 
the gospel of the kingdom, discipleship, expounding on some of these ideas and issues. And uh, man, what a, what a joy it is. I think people are going to be blessed and encouraged. I pray that they do sense that reparation and uh, uh, mending process um, as uh, you just described it. But lastly, as we get ready to close, now, I wanted to ask you, we've already mentioned a couple of websites. How can people follow you, follow uh, Awake Nations, and get in touch with you? Sure. Well, like you, I have a podcast, and um, you can go to either, well, the, probably the best one is just look for Kingdom Encounter, uh, all major platforms, but you can go to podcast.awakenations.org, podcast.awakenations.org. Um, on social media, Glenn Blakeney, um, my my name, the spelling obviously is different than it sounds. But they've seen but, it. They've seen um, it in your lower thirds here, so don't worry about it. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, and you know, KingdomCommunity.global mm -hmm. is it's the other community website. And if they go to the KingdomCommunity.global forward slash connect. There's a little video, an explainer video there that talks about who we are. It's like a two-minute video, and um, that's a good way for people to really kind of connect. But, yeah, I'm on social media as well. So. Awesome. And I do travel full-time, David, and I always um, open to coming and ministering and teaching and training and equipping and some of the things we've talked about. It's really my life message, so. Absolutely. Well, I actually just took your bio from the book, Glenn Blakeney, page. So, um, that's a shout out for you. Book Glenn. Thank you. Um, hey, Glenn, I so appreciate you taking the time. And this conversation has been um, powerful and riveting in many ways and uh, eye opening, I think. So thank you so much for taking the time. I pray that people are going to be blessed by your words today. Thank you. An honor. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Missions Pulse. Know God's heart, join his mission. This podcast is powered by Within Reach Global. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Visit missionspulse.com.